Welcome to episode 7, chapter number 7. We are up to page number 59 and we'll be reading to page 64. This, this chapter is called Surgery. Enjoy. G'day folks. Welcome to the Crashing in Potential podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about resilience. That is getting back up after you have been knocked down. My name is Scott B. Harris and I'm the author of the book, Crashing Into Potential, Living With My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that I have written and published that outlines my story of resilience after a major motorbike accident that nearly took my life. This podcast is designed to take what's inside of me and bring it out so that you can feel motivated to crash into your own potential. Brace yourself, because the podcast is about to start. I want to start off today how I start off every episode, and that is by showing you my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. Not sure if you knew this, but time is the most valuable resource that we can never get back. The time we spend on something never ever ever will come back to us money can't even buy time so i really appreciate you spending the most valuable asset listening to what i have to say so today episode number seven chapter number seven is a bit of a short uh, a short chapter this one i've got a few stories that i can tell today not sure how long they're gonna go for um uh, not sure i'll try and keep them as quick as i can because they might be more interesting to me than they would be actually to you. So we'll see how we go. Okay, we are up to chapter 7, page 59. And the quote that goes with this chapter, One of the things that I am absolutely proud of with Scott is that even though he struggles a lot to maintain motivation at points throughout his recovery, he always demonstrates a strong commitment to turning up to therapy. That was by Melanie McCulloch, a leading Melbourne hand therapist. Okay, just go, going out of the book here. Um, yes, I, I do lack motivation sometimes in hand therapy. And I think that stemmed from the fact that I was spending such a long period of time each week um, in at rehab and then I was doing the hand therapy on top of the rehab and I just I, I didn't have I, I didn't have much fuel left in the tank and it is, it's also a very very long recovery so the nerve damage that I've done to my arm is the re- recovery of that is not like a broken bone it is it is a long 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 recovery i mean it's been recovering now for for 11 years so that just shows you how long that it how long it takes to go from a to b in your recovery and i with mal i met mal so i had the accident in 2008 and then my first operation on my arm was in 2009 around about I think I've written it here somewhere uh, it was around about March and I met I, I met Mel in March so after my operation that was when we started working together and I have now been with rewired hand therapy now for uh, over 11 years uh, it was 
back when I first started, it was called Resolve Hand Therapy, and now they changed their name to Rewired, and they're actually on the same level as uh, the same um, the same level in the same building as my plastic surgeon or reconstructive surgeon that deals with my arm. So yeah, so I've I've, I've known Mel. So shout out to you, Mel, if you're listening. Um, I've I've known her for quite some time. Okay, let's get started. As soon as I was admitted to hospital on the day of the accident, the surgeons began to repair what they could of my broken body. Over the next six years, going under became almost very almost a yearly routine. Initially, all the doctors could work with was what they could see, my broken neck and my broken skull, looking as though it had been run over by a truck. The plastic surgeons did an amazing job with my facial reconstruction. To do this, Plates were inserted onto my skull. They made two fine incisions underneath my eyes and one underneath my chin. The rest was done from inside my mouth. I am just so lucky that this accident happened in the modern world and not in the 1800s because you can barely see the scars and unless you run your fingers over over them, you cannot tell that I have 10 titanium plates or 10 plates scattered around my face. Uh, so yeah, so the, the two out of the book, I'm just going out of the book. So the two, um, it, it, it's incredible the, the work that they've done because you literally, like you, you can see the two incisions underneath my eyes. They have done them where the creases, where the creases are. So they just look like they, they just look like they're creases. And the one underneath my chin, you can't even tell us there unless you're looking for it. And the rest was done from inside my mouth. The reason I know that that, that it was done from inside my mouth is because I remember. I remember when I when I when I was coming out of a coma, I remember the feeling of having uh, having having a whole lot of basically a whole lot of junk left over from the operation. So all the dead skin and maybe the the, the I don't know the blood maybe I don't know what, what was in there, but I remember having all that in inside of my mouth, and it was just the most uh, it was just a feral 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 feeling. The feeling was, if you can imagine, you know, when you when you when you bite into something that's really hot. Say, okay, say say you're at the at the footy, and you bite into a meat pie, and the molten lava comes out of it and burn absolutely burns the crap out of the top of your mouth. And then the next day, you might have dead skin trying to come off the top of your mouth. Well, it was it was kind of like that, but it was all around my mouth, not not on the top on the roof of my mouth, but all 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 in my cheeks. And it was that, but tenfold, hundredfold. It was it was just the most ugh, filthy feeling ever. And I I can remember spitting it out. Um, and this was sort of when I was just sort of coming to it, I think. And it's funny the things that I remember from my recovery. And they might not have been the events that I remember, but I definitely remember a lot of the feelings that I've had through my recovery. So yeah, there's a great little fact for you to know. Somebody told me somebody told me a um something really funny the other day. So might have been might have heard on the radio. Just going a little bit off topic here. They said you could look at anything, anything in the room right now, and you can imagine exactly what it would feel like to lick that object. 
Try it for yourself and see how you go. Let me know. Let me know what you feel. All right, back to the book. The biggest unexplained occurrence from the accident is, despite the solid break in, in my jaw on both sides and the shattered glass effect on my cheeks, I, did, I didn't break my nose and I didn't lose a single tooth. The only tooth I am missing from the accident is one of my wisdom teeth. We are now on page 60. One of my wisdom teeth uh, that was removed while I was sedated, which is a bonus because that means that I don't have to go through the pain of getting it out. The dental team must have felt sorry for me at the time and thought that 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 they would do me a favor. Thanks, guys. Just going quickly out of the book again, um, which I, that I just find that so bizarre, and I don't know what I've done to deserve that that fortunate luck uh, because I've got I've got a fracture basically on every part of my face and on every corner of my face there is a bone that's broken oh sorry it's, not, it's, it's all one bone but there's a fracture in, in in my skull and for a fracture to be happening on my, uh, to, to occur on my skull I'm assuming it would have had to come in contact with something hard so if you've got if you've got a fracture on the left side of your face, on the on the right side, the top and the bottom, then I think, I imagine the first thing that would go would be your nose. Straight away, your nose would break. And then the second part would be, uh, would be your mouth. I guess I did break my jaw, but my teeth, um, because I've got two solid, like they're two, basically my, my jaw was, hanging off um, the only thing that was holding my jaw up on in my mouth was my skin and um, was the muscles so my jaw has got uh, have got two complete uh, complete breaks in, in on either side so that I just don't know how I didn't lose a tooth there and the nose that just blows my mind anyway all right back to the book for the first few months after my accident, I couldn't understand why my right arm wouldn't move. I needed it to wake up and help me get on with my life. It was around March 2009 that I was sent off to have it checked out. Not having any movement in it whatsoever, it was like the power cord to my muscles had been cut. In medical terms, I had severed three nerves in my right brachial plexus. When I heard that perhaps the best option long term was amputa amputation i nearly fell off my chair this idea didn't sit too too well with my family and me it was time for a second opinion so i came to scott ferris mr ferris one of the world's leading plastic and reconstructive surgeons was in in melbourne and he specialized in surgery of my type of injury go back 15 years and my arm most likely would have been amputated as this surgery had only been introduced in the 21st century. Scott was one of a few surgeons to perform this operation in Australia, and one of only a handful that had done, done so in the world. He is the best of the best, and I'm grateful I've been in his care. The first operation he had planned for me was to get my bicep muscle working. In technical terms, this was my elbow flexion reanimation surgery. To do this, Scott had to... Re had to reroute the nerves that go to my fingers and wrist to my bicep and brachialis muscle. In simple terms, this meant that to get my muscle to work, 
I had to squeeze my fingers and bend my wrist. This felt much like turning the oven on in order to watch the TV until my brain could disassociate the links. This wasn't as simple as a bone repairing itself in six weeks. This was long term. This was a long-term injury that would take years and years of therapy. My brain had to relearn how my arm worked and which muscles to turn on and off when trying to perform certain movements. It may have been a much easier process if I wasn't trying to accomplish this disassociation with an injured brain. My injured brain trying to trying to learn this would be like a toddler figuring out a mass equation. After the surgery, I was introduced to Melanie McCulloch. Mel is an occupational therapist specializing in nerve recovery and she works closely with Scott and his patients. She runs a hand therapy clinic in East Melbourne called Rewired, which I spoke about earlier. Uh, It used to be Resolve, but it's now Rewired. Mel and her team are the best at what they do in Melbourne, and without a doubt, I am so glad that they were there for me. They have helped bring my arm back from the dead with medical magic called therapy, and they are still helping me today. They are the mathematical geniuses helping this toddler master the art of numbers. Going out of the book again, uh, I just want to say that, uh, that, that Mal and Scott have both been such a such good support for me uh, in this uh, in this book they both uh, with with their teams both came to the book launch which was great um, which I really really kind of appreciated that so thanks guys if you're listening uh, I've just got one little bone to pick and that's with Mel if Mel's listening to this I've been doing rehab with uh with with mal on my arm hand therapy now for over 11 years 11 and a half years and in all of those years not once have i been invited to the work christmas party (laughs) so i'm waiting for a guernsey i'm waiting for my guernsey Maybe maybe I'll get a letter in the mail one day when I'm long gone out of that place that'll be an invite to their Christmas party. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Hopefully, I'm still doing this podcast when, uh, when that time comes. All right, back to the book. The recovery of a nerve is slow and tedious, like a, like a head injury. Once again, this wasn't like a broken, bu- broken arm that would heal itself in a hurry. This was a broken nerve and the recovery would be years away. Before my operation, there was a total disconnection between my injured brain and my arm. I would look at it and I wouldn't even be able to imagine it, it moving because the connection wasn't there. I can relate this to wiggling your earlobes without moving your ears back and forth. Go on, give it a go. Not only can you not do it, you can't even think of doing it. Well, this is what it felt like to use my arm. I couldn't even imagine doing it. After the operation, nothing had changed because the nerves had to regrow and then regenerate. The first flicker of movement came months later. Seeing a muscle flicker might not sound like the most exciting movement. But to me, this was just one piece of the puzzle coming together. A couple of months after this operation, Dad and I were sitting in the waiting room to see another doctor for one for one reason or another. And I noticed the guy with his right arm also wrapped up like mine. 
On closer inspection, I realised that this guy was an old friend from school, Aaron. What? I called out to Aaron, who was sitting with his father too. He was as surprised as I was. We got chatting and were just blown away by the similarities in our situation. It turns out that not only was the accident a few months after mine, but it was the same brachial plexus injury to the same arm. Another friendship strengthened by an unfortunate commonality. You just never know whose stars will, will align with yours and when. The second surgery was on my shoulder. Our shoulders are responsible for moving our arms up and down, and without this function, there's not much we can do with our arms really. I quickly found out that these operations were not done in order to get, get me back to high activity sport, but rather to get me back to a level where my arm and hand could assist me with things like stabilizing a piece of bread when I butter it and tying my own shoelaces. These were functions that would help me live a comfortable life. The third surgery was on my triceps. All of these surgeries would help fix the movement in my arm but nothing had been performed to help regain the sensation I was lacking in my hand. It was late 2011 by this stage, and it was time for my fourth operation to try and get the feeling back in my thumb and index finger. The only downside to moving a nerve to get another part of the body working was that a sacrifice had to be made. To get the feeling back in my index finger, nerves had to come from my pinky and my ring finger. This meant that I would not have any feeling in those fingers anymore, but I would, gain, I would gain feeling in the two most practical fingers on my hand. The way my brain interprets the feeling now is the most bizarre feeling of all. It thinks that the nerve connected to my thumb and index finger are still connected to my ring and pinky. So what happens when I squeeze my thumb is that my other two fingers feel this instead. This is so odd because there is nothing connected to those fingers at all. Confused yet? Well, welcome to my world, because if that was hard to understand, try understanding it with an injured brain. This is one of the best invisible party tricks I can come up with. My most recent operation was in 2015. This was to get external rotation back to my arm by connecting my latissimus dorsi muscle to my other muscle. I say my other muscle because it's just another operation to fix my arm. I didn't need to know any more details than that. This operation went as well as Scott had planned and following the surgery, my arm was to stay in, in an externally rotated position 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 3 months. To do this, I had to wear a brace designed for shoulder injuries for a whole 3 months. If I were to dress this brace up, you would think I was selling hot pies at the footy. It made everything that I did agonizingly awkward. So everything I did was nothing. I became a hermit for three months. This could have easily taken me back to the days of depression. But luckily for me, I had Jasmine, my girlfriend, by my side. In brackets, you'll meet her in part two. Since I wrote that, I have now also had another operation. And that was to, it was the exact same operation to uh, to tighten up the... The, the the tendon or whatever it was something in my arm that he's tightened up to to help me with that original operation i've got uh scott when i was under scott took a video for me uh, of of my arm working which i'd love to post up on on my website so you can have a look in the show notes and and have a look at what's happening 
when he activates the nerve and how the how the how the muscle how the muscle flickers when he puts a pulse through the nerve. It's actually really really cool. But if uh, if you've just eaten, maybe uh, maybe wait a few hours uh, before you look at it. Now the recovery for that operation was exactly the same. I was in a brace for this time it was only for two months, uh, but it was it was this this time round it was ten times worse for me mentally than it was on the previous uh, the previous operation. I think because the previous operation Jasmine had just moved over from Canada. And that was kind of exciting because you know it was Jasmine was now here, and she wasn't wasn't working. But now, in this uh, this operation, I have I basically was home alone all day, and I wasn't able to drive anywhere. I wasn't wasn't able to do anything. I was at home all day every day by myself for eight weeks, and it was it was painful. And I could feel myself going my mental mental state going down and down and down. Uh, if it, if it had have been for three months, who knows how how I would have ended up. Now I'm waiting on a call from a another surgeon, one of Scott's mates, uh, to do another operation to tighten something up in my shoulder. I'm not going to bother explaining it because I don't get it, and then I'll explain it, and obviously you won't get it because I won't explain it well, and it'll just be a shambles. So. Just uh, just know that there may be another operation in the pipes. We'll just, uh, I'll keep you posted on that. All right, back to the book. I couldn't dress myself, I couldn't clean the house, and I couldn't even shower alone. All this would require a personal care assistant who would come to my house each day to help me, which was all all taken care of by TAC. It was around the same time of my recovery from this surgery that a group of young men, all having hand therapy, including Aaron, got together and decided to start a support group called the One Army. The demographic of this injury seems to be mostly men and mostly from motorbike accidents. So we formed a good bond. What's more, most of the men were around my age or in their 20s. So this was really an easy group for me to connect with. It was and still is great when we get together and do an activity together. It's good to be able to talk about talk to other people who are in the same boat as me and have the same destination. We all have one thing in common and that's our injuries. It really feels like we are on the same team playing the same sport all wearing the same jersey. That is the end of chapter 7. And we're up to chapter 8 uh, on page 64. Now, I'm going to read the first chapter of the next, uh, the re- first, sorry, the first paragraph of the next chapter. This chapter is called Leaving Rehab for Good. Now, I've felt today I've been very, another, another, another night where I didn't get as much sleep as I probably should have and... My reading today is I feel tired and it was I feel I feel absolutely terrible trying to read this and I'm actually really glad it's been a small chapter because it's taken quite a quite a quite a while just to read these two chapters. I oh, sorry, these these few pages. 
Anyway, here goes for the first paragraph of Chapter 8, Unedited. After three years in rehab, it was finally time to take another step back into reality and say goodbye to the place that saved me from eternal darkness, Epworth Rehabilitation in Camberwell. Almost three years to the day that I was wheeled in, into, the ABI, into the ABI ward, Almost three years to the day that I was wheeled into the ABI ward, I could finally run out the door and back into regular life. I will forever be, I will forever, I will forever, I will be, I will be forever grateful. I will be forever grateful of what, Oh, God. I will forever be grateful for what everyone at Epworth did for me and I can't and I can't give them enough praise for the part they have played in my recovery. They have they have become my friends forever and I know that whenever I go back to see the folk there I will be greeted with open arms. That was horrible. Horrible. Right, that's it from me. Uh, We'll see you guys all here next week. Same time, same place. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Adios. So that's it for today. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button so you do not miss an episode. Better still, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. See you in the next episode.